a theme that is kind of weaving through our whole service about family and children. Have you noticed that today? There's a reason for that. We're, we're entering into this new school year, and at the end of the service today, we're going to be praying for all of our students and, and all of the teachers and everybody that works with students, um, those who are principals, and uh, just asking God to touch their life as, as we move forward. I would like to share with you just for a few minutes a devotional thought this morning about who's building your house. Who's building your house? I want to talk about homes today a little bit. In Psalm chapter 127, verses 1 and 2, the scripture says this, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. Father, today we have already celebrated some of the highlights of the lives of those who have been involved in some of our children's ministries. We know that this week we're kicking off a, a new season in youth ministry and things that are taking place throughout the, the church for the entire family. And we recognize, oh God, that we do all of these things for the purpose that you would build into our lives the very things that we need, not just to survive this world, but to thrive in it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take these next few moments in the Word and you begin to unlock it to us so that there would be something that we could nourish ourselves with from it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I, I love Honor Star Crownings for numbers of reasons. I, I loved the fact that we got to watch Eliana today. Here's a, a young lady that has reached all of the milestones through her childhood as she gets to this stage in life. And uh, I also love the fact that I got to watch her dad walk her down the aisle in a white dress. Uh, that thought is not lost on me that this is a practice run for him. And uh, the fact that he looks... Uh, so stoic as he was walking her down, I thought someday I'm going to get to watch him as he's bawling his eyes out as he walks her down that aisle. But I also thought about the fact that the dress that she was wearing represents a purity. There's a purity that is lacking in our world today as it relates to our children and our teenagers. There's a, a purity that comes from seeking God and knowing God and allowing Him to work within our lives. And I love the symbolism of that and all that it represents in her life. And as we begin to talk about who's building your house today, I recognize that there's an aspect of this where people who are involved in families and may have children or grandchildren, this, this may seem appropriate to you. But for those of you who may be single today, let me, let me bring something to you that much of the way that your home is going to look like is going to be determined by the decisions that you make when you're single. Much of your home life will be determined by the way that you date and the way that you court. And I have a friend of mine who pastors uh, the Mission Church in New York. His name's Greg Johnson, and there was a, a young man that had written to him and said, Hey, Pastor, I've got two sisters that are uh, beginning to date. He said, What advice would you give, uh, advice for dating my single sisters? And, and Greg responded with some stuff that I said, I, I'm going to add this in this morning just because it's so rich. Because, again, if we're going to build our homes on the Lord, then we need to build our lives even before we have homes on the Lord. And here's what he said. First of all, to your sisters, I would say, keep Christ first in the relationship. If he doesn't keep Christ first, then he certainly will not be right for you. Secondly, give respect and then demand that you be respected. Thirdly, honor his family, but demand that he honors yours as well. Fourth, if he is married, he's not for you. If he's not gonna leave, he is not going to leave his wife and kids for you. And if he cheats with you, he will cheat on you. Fifth, Notice how he treats his mother and his sisters. This indicates how he will treat you when the romance fades. 
Sixth, set boundaries and have high standards and never compromise your morals. Seventh, be true to yourself. Don't do something you're, uh, don't do something just to keep a guy or to keep him interested. Number eight, avoid drama and mind games. Be candid, forthright, truthful, because in a relationship, integrity matters. Number nine, be modest. Dress for honor, not for lust. Number ten, never tolerate abuse or mistreatment. If you do... You will be spending a life full of pain, misery, and suffering. Eleven, don't settle. If he has no job, no education, no initiative, and no place to live, he's not ready for you. Twelve, don't push him into marriage, but also don't let him waste your time either. Be willing to walk away. Thirteen, and of course, no wedding, no bedding. Never give him what God meant for you to give only in marriage. So for those of you today that think maybe we're going to be ministering the word of God about homes and that doesn't apply to you, I want you to know that building a home based on God's purpose starts wherever you are in life and whatever season you may find yourself in. I kind of love this week of the year because in my neighborhood, I, I begin to recognize I stepped out on the first day of school and, and all of the neighbors were out there, especially the little kindergartners, the mothers were out there taking pictures. The bus driver knows he or she is going to have to wait at every house because mom has to be out there getting a, a picture before the bus comes, a picture when the bus comes, a picture with their foot on the first step of the bus and then wait until they get into a seat so they can take a picture of the kid looking through the window out of the bus and then they follow them to school. And uh, they're the others that as they get a little bit more mature in school, it was just, hey, the first day of school means that I get to see my friends again. And, and uh, the older they get, the less excited they look about the first day of school. And by the time they're seniors, they don't want to be riding a bus. They just want to be done. But I thought about that as I was looking down my street, because we live in the, the first house on the top of the hill. I'm looking down, and I'm watching all of the families out there, and they're all smiling and laughing. And I begin to think, well, we now know what it looks like on the outside, but I wonder what, what it look like on the inside. Who sees the wounds and the hurts that they carry within their homes? In some cases, who sees the wounds that they have caused within their home? Now, some of you that are about my age might remember this, but years ago, there used to be a community service announcement at 10 o'clock every night, and the commercial would come on and say, it's 10 o'clock, do you know your where your children are at? Any of you remember any of that? There are a lot of you that are old in here today. I've often pondered that as a parent. What does a parent really know? What does a parent really know? Not just physically where your children are at, but what do you really know about spiritually where they're at, physically where they're at? the things that are going through their mind. Do you know what your children think about? Do you know what they think about themselves? Do you know what they think about God? Do you know what they think about when they're in your home? Do you know what's on their phones? Do you know what they search for? Do you really know where your children are? The situations that we face today are not new. We live in a society where I believe that the result of the destruction and the dysfunction of 
traditional families is one of the reasons that we find ourselves in situations that are so dire within our nature, nation. When you take God out of the schools and you take prayer out of the schools and, and you begin to teach that, that God doesn't even need to be in your homes, you're naturally going to get something that looks like we see today. And in the middle of all of this, the scripture declares to us that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders will labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. But dysfunctional homes did not start with our generation. In fact, Adam and Eve had a perfect home. They had a perfect family until they decided to ignore the designer and the architect and all of the safety precautions that he had built in. And ignoring that, they begin to wander away from what he desired. Kids making bad choices is not new either. Cain and Abel proved that when one brother can kill another simply because of jealousy, it tells me that there's problems going on in the family. Bad parenting isn't an issue that's new to us either. Just look at Eli the priest in the Old Testament. His preacher's kids were a disaster. So how can we strengthen the family in today's society? How can we work in such a way that God would be honored in, in what we do and can bring health to us in our homes and in our children and in our marriages? I'm a firm believer that the only solution to this monumental task is found right here in the Bible. When he says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. You see, before you can strengthen something, you have to find out where its weaknesses are. Now, you may agree with me or you may not, but I believe that the things that are plaguing us as a nation need to start with rebuilding the families, and the families need to be rebuilt in a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe that the church is the hope, is the hope for our nation, is that churches would rise up and that families would be strengthened again. And I'm a firm believer that can be summed up in these words, unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord builds, everything that we do is in vain. First of all, I want you to know that stability in your life and in your home depends upon God. Why does the psalmist say that to build your own home or to build your own life is in vain? I believe it's because he understood what we see around us today, and that, that is, if you are going to build something independent of God, then you are going to recognize that whatever you build will be inferior to what God could build for you. If you're going to do it without him, then you're going to suffer the consequences when it all falls apart. And he says they labor and they toil, meaning that they work so hard. There's so many people trying so hard to build their lives to make something of themselves. But because they do it without the help of God, everything that they build will be subject to collapse. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, you can make all the plans you want. But if you haven't involved the Lord in those plans, then... It will never turn out the way you think. Why is it vain to build our house without God? Because God is the one that has created you and created your home, and he knows exactly what he wants to do in you and through you, and he knows exactly what he wants to build in you. We look today and we recognize that we have a divorce rate that's running over 50%. Children are going up in broken homes. Many of them are suffering from abuse from the very people that ought to be protecting them. Continually, broken homes are taking place all around us, and people keep thinking, you know what, I can still build something out of all of this without consulting God. And the Lord says, if you do this without me, everything you do will be in vain. 
Matthew 7, 26 and 7 says, But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I am tired of seeing families crash. Tired of seeing things destroyed. To have stability in your home, you must depend upon God. And if you're going to build with God, then you need to make sure that what you're building with Him, you can build because He's got a good reputation as a builder. If you want to build a solid house, solid provide shelter, solidly provide shelter, protect your family, you better choose the right building materials and you better choose the one who's got the blueprint for you. The one who created you knows the blueprint of what he wants to build in you and through you and build around you. So you start with the right blueprints. If you want a solid Christian home, then you need the right blueprint. We need to build according to the plans of God. And he desires to share with us what he wants to do in us and through us. He will lead you and guide you in what he wants you to do and where he wants you to live and what he wants you to do with your life and whom you are to marry and what career you should pursue. All of these are important issues and every one of them God says, I want to lead you and guide you in. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, I want you to think about this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, if you're trusting in the Lord, there's no need to question Him. He may do things differently than you would have done, but He sees things that you don't see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Along with this blueprint of trusting Him, you must also include in your life prayer. I am tremendously blessed. I grew up in a home where my mom and dad served God with all our hearts, and every morning my sisters and I would get up and we would hear my dad in the living room, and we knew right where he was kneeling, and he would be praying, and we would hear him call out our names before God. I can't ever remember a time leaving the house to go to school without having first had my dad pray for me. As a result of that, there was a strength that was built into my character and my life that regardless of what I was going to face that day, I already knew God had prayed protection around me. And as a result of that, there was a strength that I knew God could do anything through me and with me because I have been prayed for. Parents, if you're building the home that God desires, you will include in it prayer. Then you need the right builder. One of the things that I hate about watching home improvement channels is that they are liars. <laughs> they tell you that you can do this at home. I believe them sometimes. Now, I grew up in a home where nobody in my family knew how to build anything. We were good talkers, but we didn't know how to build anything. So. After watching a program, I'm seeing how well it turned out. I thought, man, I can do that. Have any of you started a home improvement project and, and got into it and realized, oh, no. My precious sweet wife at some point will come in there when she sees the frustration because it didn't turn out quite the way. And she would say, sweetheart, are you ready to call a professional? It's the same thing with building a Christian home. We can't do it on our own. We need help. 
But thankfully, we have a master builder who knows exactly what to do to build a strong family. And to have a strong Christian home on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we must make him the head of our home. Thankfully, when I stand before God, my job will be to have created an environment in my home where I will be able to present to the Lord my wife and say, God, you gave this woman to me, and I created an environment where every gift you gave to her, I've created an environment where those things can grow so that I can offer her to you in worship. And she feels the same way about me, and we feel the same way about our children. Because we understand that Jesus is the head of the home, and that's the job of the family is to make sure that he becomes the foundation. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, in other words, I need you to understand there's a difference between attending church and hearing and attending church and obeying the word. There are many people who say, well, I go to church and I don't know why my life is messed up. And we begin to talk about their level of obedience and discover they've heard but they've never obeyed. He says, if you hear the words of mine and you put them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundations were on the rock. Oh, I want you to know today, regardless of what takes place in the world, if you'll build your life and your home and your family on the rock of Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about what takes place in the world because your foundation will be strong. And then you have to build with the right bricks. Blueprints, builders are all very important, but so are the bricks. Christians need to build our homes with the right ingredients. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, the scripture said, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise master builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay another foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. This is a sobering verse to me. Sobering in the idea that someday I will stand before God and I will give an account for every word that I have ever spoken behind this holy desk. I will give an account for how I handled the truth of the word. I will give an account for even the attitude of which I came into the house of the Lord. Just like each of you will give an account for how you built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And in the flames of that judging fire, everything that was made and everything that we did with selfish attitudes or wrong motives will burn up before our eyes. But only those things which were made of quality materials will stay as a reward for us. We must build on Christ's salvation. He's the only foundation for Christian life and for Christian homes. So what are the bricks that we build with? Well, we've celebrated today some of those. We did a demographic study, and we discovered that within five miles of our church, 56% of the homes have children under the age of 14. So we recognize that as an attitude of ministry, we as a church needed to recognize where we are. So we invest heavily in ministry to our children. In fact, we have a lot of children that will come here on Wednesday nights whose parents may go to other churches on Sunday, but recognize the value of this brick, the brick of ministry to our children, and so they do not want their kids to miss that. And so I can tell you that one of the reasons our church is growing is because families have recognized the value and the excellency with which Pastor Julie and the teams work to bring the children to a place where they can know Jesus Christ. So folks... 
If you are wondering, how do I build into my children's life? Then make sure your children are here when ministry is taking place. Whether it be on Sunday morning when they have their own children's church downstairs or Wednesday evening with the girls and the Royal Rangers, you put them in the environment where God can do a work in them and you watch what God will do. But you're going to have to build those bricks within their life. Then there's the youth ministry that takes place here. At the end of the last school year, I sat in here and I counted 79 students that were a part of what was going on on that particular evening. They have to clear all the chairs out of here and set up tables. But you know what? There's a lot of students that come here because they recognize something about this place gives them life. They recognize that in the presence of Jesus and the presence of those that love Jesus, there's something that is ingrained within them that helps them be sustained when the winds of life blow their way. And so let me tell you something. For those of you who are parents and grandkids, make sure your youth are building with the bricks of youth ministry that is provided for them. Our Sunday services are bricks to build your home with. This is how God provides you with the building materials that you can use that will last within your life. And then, what are you doing with your time and your talents? How do you serve the Lord? Paul says that spiritual work, or whenever you invest yourself in something where God is glorified, it can be counted as if it's gold or silver or precious stones. Fleshly work is like wood, hay, and stubble. So how do we build with spiritual materials? We ask God to lead us in life by the presence and the power of His Holy Spirit. Some of you may need to reevaluate what are priorities in your home. Some of you may need to sit down with your children and help them reevaluate what are priorities within their own life. And ask yourself the question, do we commit each day to God? Are we having personal quiet time with the Lord? Are we praying together as a family? Are there moments when we recognize that there's difficult issues and we just stop what we're doing and we begin to ask God for His direction because He's the leader of our home? Or do we just try to do it without Him? Because if you're building with quality materials, you're going to ask God to help you each day. So the question that we ask is, what are you doing with the bricks that God has given you to build with? Let's depend on God to build stable homes. And secondly and lastly, our security depends upon God. Psalm chapter 127 verse 2 says, Unless the Lord guards the city... The watchmen stay awake in vain. We recognize that a group of houses all together can make up a city. And in, in, in the old times when this was written, the cities had to be safeguarded by walls. And in ancient times, the walls had guards that would stand upon them or walk and make laps around them depending on how big they were. But their job was an important job. They would position themselves to watch for the enemy and anything that was taking place around them. And from their viewpoint, they could see. And night and day they were told to stay alert. Yet the psalmist says, and I, I just love this, he says that the watchman's work is in vain if God is not watching out for that city. And I begin to wonder, why is he saying that? And I believe it's because of this. He recognizes that we and our human abilities to try to protect ourselves and, and to build security around our own families, we can only do so much. But if you want security in your life and security in your relationship and eternal security, then it must depend upon God and not you. Psalm 121 verses 1 through 3 says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. 
He will watch over you and will not slumber or sleep. Now, I, I want you to notice the wording of this. Because in Psalm 127, he was talking about a watchman and their watch is in vain. You want to know why? Because they're human. And being a human, when you're walking around at night, you don't see everything because you get tired. Any of you ever get tired at the end of a long day and your attention just begins to slip? Even though they were doing their job, they were, because of the human, the, the human nature they had, they would get tired. But the scripture says to us, the Lord never slumbers. In other words, he never gets tired when he's watching out for you. You never have to worry that he's taking a day off or that he's sleeping. He never gets tired of protecting you. And today we rely on security services and neighborhood watch and police and people spend money on security doors and, and doorbells that take pictures of people as they're coming up the door. And all of these things are great and I, I applaud everybody who does them. But the fact of the matter is that you can defend yourself and your home to the best of your ability but you cannot control life. Car accidents, illnesses, cancer can strike us at any time. When your children are leaving your homes and, and they're going to school or wherever they go, they face dangers. We can't really protect them no matter how hard we try. And the best defense we have is to say our home is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and he is our defender and he is our protector. David had the right perspective on security when in Psalm 18, 2 and 3, he says this. The Lord is my rock and my foundation and my deliverer. I love those three things. He's my rock, he's my, found, my fortress, and he's my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. I call on the name of the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. In other words, if you're looking for security in your life or in your home, it better be because you've built it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So as Christians today on this family day, I want to encourage you to entrust your families to the Lord. I want to entrust your children to the Lord. Entrust those of you who are single, entrust your future to the Lord. Entrust your, your courtships and your dating to the Lord. Entrust your jobs to the Lord. Give it all to Him because He said that what He builds will last forever. I would appreciate it if somebody would go downstairs and prepare to get our children to bring them up. There's a story that was told of a believer by the name of Frederick Nolan. He was fleeing from his enemies during a time of persecution in North Africa. And they were pursuing him and he was going over the hills and through valleys and he could find no place to hide. And finally, out of just sheer exhaustion, he fell into a little cave. As he lay there, he fully expected that his enemies would catch up with him and that they would kill him. And while he was laying there awaiting his death, he watched as a spider began to weave a web around the opening of that cave. He said, I watched as I saw this thing with amazing speed and dexterity and accuracy build a beautiful, beautiful web. And just the time that the spider had finished, his enemies came rushing over the hill and stopped at the front of that cave. And as they looked at it, they saw this beautiful web there, and they thought that it was impossible for anybody to have entered that cave without dismantling the web, and so they went on. Having escaped, Nolan exclaimed, Where God 